Welcome to the first podcast for Post to Post Reports. Today we are doing the best Premier League team of all time. Joining me is Ethan Murphy, Liverpool fan. How are you, Ethan? Hello, I'll try and remain neutral today, um, but I'm sure some people will be calling me out on my decisions. As I just said, I'm a Liverpool fan, so yeah. Well, we are not biased like Sky Sports. Liverpool and Manchester United as heavily focused as they are. We have had a set of rules on this. We've decided on a 4-3-3 formation because we think that's the formation most adopted by teams these days. We've also considered longevity. We've considered success in the Premier League, how much of an impact that player had for their team or teams. And we're not considering their outside success achieved in other leagues. For example, Zlatan Ibrahimovic had a couple of years in the Premier League. We're only going to include that kind of time frame. So start to start with, I'll go with you, Ethan. Your goalkeeper, please, for your combined Premier League team ever. Uh, um, so I decided to go for Smichael in the end. Um, it was a kind of decision between him and uh, Czech. I was thinking about maybe going for more of the one of the modern keepers in the Premier League at the moment, maybe an Edison or Allison. Um, Obviously, they've not been maybe playing as many years, but I feel like nowadays maybe keepers are a bit more evolved in terms of their on the ball quality, um, especially Edison, you say for example. But I feel like just in terms of how important he was to that United team, um, uh, how good he was, like just some important saves in games, kind of won and points. I think Gary Neville says sometimes in his interviews, he said how he's had match winning moments really. Um, I just think Smike will probably is a standout option for me to go for. Um, Well, as we'll come to, I think you're correct in regards to your statement about goalkeepers changing. As you probably will see with our right-back selections, the positions of... um, the duties and responsibilities of many positions have changed. The striker, the number nine, is not what it once was. Uh, Someone like Andy Carroll would not be seen in any Premier League team these days. And Trent Alexander-Arnold would not have worked in the 90s. So, with that being said, I've chosen a more conventional goalkeeper too. And albeit a United fan, I have gone for Petr Cech, the the aforementioned Cech. I think his record when he came in and had the best, he was part of the best defence the Premier League's ever seen. I think his influence on that Chelsea team for a long period of time is unmatched. The thing that lets Michael down potentially is he had a few great years but then didn't seem to keep that top level up. He seemed to peak, he peaked with the Champions League treble win, of course, which is a brilliant achievement, but Czech did it for a longer period of time. He won more Premier League titles and had the record of the most clean sheets. So for me... I wonder if this, uh, sorry, I wonder if this kind of longevity versus quality debate is going to come up a lot because... We've kind of talked a little bit about our teams before, and I feel like there could be some some disagreements based on that. Absolutely. We're going to have the poll sent out. That's what um, this is for. A poll sent out comparing our teams, and listeners will have the chance to choose their preferred team. I do think to say that it's just the longevity with Czech, though, is probably unfair. I've seen him do things that no other goalkeeper has done. The same with Schmeichel to an extent. But Czech was an outstanding goalkeeper for a long period of time for two different Premier League clubs. I know Schmeichel played for City and Villa, but he didn't have the same heights with them that Czech arguably did with Arsenal. No. No, 
Yeah, that's, that's true. And I feel like maybe on the ball quality is pretty similar between the two. I mean, I know Smyko actually scored a goal, didn't he, from his own half. I don't mm. think Jack actually achieved that. But uh, I feel like, yeah, maybe both of them, maybe we lack the ability of the ball, like said, modern day keepers. But in terms of goalkeeping and importance for their team, both of them are right up there. Well, a civil disagreement to start with. I feel the centre midfield may be a little bit more ferocious, but we'll go for our right backs now. Who have you gone for your right back? Um, so I think like this, this could be where um, I start getting a bit of criticism uh, because I've gone for Trent Alexander Arnold. Um, and reasons why are similar to maybe, as I touched upon in the goalkeeping debate, um, I feel like the modern day fullback nowadays is. Is a better player than the fullback was maybe when the Premier League started. There's definitely more offensive qualities that they need to possess. Um, I think they're definitely more of an important part of the team, and no more is that shown as with Liverpool, that arguably their most creative uh, uh, players are, are Trent and, uh, and uh, Andy Robertson. Um, and I just think Trent's ability in the seasons he's had so far with Liverpool. His, um, his output in terms of going forward is just it's just so important to that Liverpool team when as a Liverpool fan myself I notice we have our bad days when Trent doesn't play well and that importance to one of the one of the most uh, the best sides we've seen recently in the Premier League history and I, it's, I, I understand what people would criticise me for using but also I don't know who else I'd have um, I think the other option potentially is Gary Neville um, but I can I really say Gary Neville's a better player than Trent Arnold, I don't think even Gary says that himself. Um, now I'm going for the other options who I've got. I mean, you've got some some great players in terms of consistency through the years. Maybe like a Zabaleta is used in some, and um, Aspen Aspen potentially. But I just think in terms of the quality Trent's hit over the last couple of years hasn't really been matched. It's not my choice. But, uh, yeah. but why would? What do you think he's yeah. done enough? Do you think he's done enough at this young age? Has he done it for I've long enough? I've never seen the right back. I've never seen the as important to a team as or a fullback in general, maybe is as important to a team as Trent Alexander Arnold is to Liverpool, and I think that says enough for me. Okay. Because I think Gary Neville was was he a cog in the machine rather than necessarily. I think Trent's one of the first names you, you kind of need him. Without him, we struggle. No, I mean, that maybe says more about the team than and the era. For me, I'll come to onto this with a certain midfielder who I have omitted from my team. Trent cannot be in there for me. I'm not saying he never will be. In eight years' time, even seven years' time, if he wins a few more Premier League titles, if he is the difference between that domination of maybe City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, whatever, um, then maybe. But at the moment, I cannot have him in there. So for me, it was a choice between three. Uh, I'm not going to choose Ivanovic. I'm not going to choose Zabaleta. Because I think um, both of those just narrowly miss out. I think over Zabaleta, you probably would have Kyle Walker. Now, I'm not, I haven't been a massive fan of Kyle Walker through his career. I think he's been overrated and that his pace has got him places. But there's no doubt that Pep has chosen him for the last seven years. And he has been a stalwart of that success. However, he comes in third behind um, Gary Neville, in my opinion, who's in second for me. Gary Neville did it, obviously, for 20 years or so. He won Premier League after Premier League after Premier League. And again, he was a bit of a stalwart. I think you're after consistency in one of these you know, criteria we're looking for. And I think that Gary Neville is Mr. Consistent. Something that players like in different positions, but Pogba of recent Man United have definitely lacked. 
However, I'm going to cause controversy of my own here and draft in a player that many people knew as a left back, but people don't know he was right-footed and can and did play right back, and that's Dennis Irwin. Now, I remember you speaking to me earlier, and this was before your era, so maybe it's not fair for you to know this, but Dennis Irwin, Irish left back slash right back, did everything. He did literally everything. Trent Alexander-Arnold is a fantastic attacker who will maybe move into centre midfield in the later stages of his career. Dennis Irwin was a defender, and this is our defence. So better, de- better defensively, certainly. Dennis Irwin had the defensive capabilities of anyone. But he also scored. He also had free kicks. He very, very, very rarely got booked. He it didn't have as much pace, potentially, but then you, you don't really need pace with the amount of positional awareness that he had. So I would say that Dennis Irwin, for me, is probably the most underrated fullback in the Premier League history. And because he was right-footed, I would have him playing on the right rather than the left, but it just shows how the fact he could play both, how versatile he was as a player. So just ahead of Gary Neville, just ahead of Carl Walker, I'm going to have Dennis Irwin as my right-back. Who have you got? Well, actually, what do you say to that? Well, my, my only query there is, like I said, I, I haven't really seen much of, of Dennis Irwin. I, I do know kind of who he is as a player. Um, I've heard of him before, but it's, it was hard for me to put someone like him in having not seen him play enough, really. Um, I, 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 maybe similar could be the same for Smichael, but I feel like I've seen more of Smichael uh, with Dennis Irwin. I haven't seen a lot about him. I do know that he was a really good player. The only question there is, is, is there seems to be a bit of confusion because you're putting in Dennis Irving um, over Gary Neville, but didn't Gary Neville play at right back over Dennis Irving and Dennis Irving played left back? That, that is true. That, yeah, Dennis Irving was drafted to the left. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a good point. It, it Maybe because he could play there and Gary Neville didn't have a left foot. Um, I would make the same argument in regards to yeah. England and Scholes. Paul Scholes was drafted out to the right under Sven Goran Eriksson because he was the only one out of Gerald and Lampard and himself that could play there, despite, in my opinion, Scholes being the best midfielder. Spoiler alert. So maybe his versatility made him go to the left-hand side. The fact that he could play left-back and did very well, why would you change that? Um, but... It, for me, the reason you put him over Trent, certainly, is that he won seven Premier League titles in 12 years, scored goals and free kicks, played up in big games. You know, he did win a Champions League, but obviously we're not considering that. Just everything you want in a fullback, professionalism, consistency. You know, Trent has bad games. I'm sure there's only had a couple of bad games, but I've seen in the last three games, Trent been slandered twice. So, and it's a small sample, but Dennis Owen for me, a lot, lot less mistakes. Better defender than Trent, by a mile. Uh, and more goals going forward than Gary Neville. So, yeah. I don't know why, he doesn't, why would you not put him at left-back, then? Well, left-back, I think the Premier League has had better left-backs than right-back. So, I've made room for another left-back right. who, Do in my opinion... Do you think there's someone else? Okay, well, it'll be interesting to see who you put left-back, Well. Then. I'll, 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 I'll say it. Ashley Cole. Ashley Cole is... Well, I'll start with left-backs. Ashley Cole is my left-back. Okay. I love Patrice Evra. I think he's hilarious on Instagram. I think he was a brilliant player for Man United. I think he's a loyal servant, a big United fan, obviously, now. Um, for me, at left-back, there were only a couple of choices. There was far more choices at right-back. Uh, and to be honest with you, Dennis Irwin could have been here. 
But then it came to the decision, right, if Dennis Irwin can play either side, my real choice is between Gary Neville and Ashley Cole. And I think I had to have Ashley Cole over Gary Neville. Ashley Cole did it at all levels internationally as well. But in the Premier yeah, League... No, I, I agree with you on Ashley Cole. Just forget, yeah, that's probably the first, first uh, agreement we've had in terms of mm. in terms of left-back. I think he's kind of the, the, uh, the clear standout left-back. Generally, people tend to, uh, tend to put him into their teams just in terms of overall quality um, up the pitch, defensively as well, um, and representing England at the highest levels, like I said, not including that in this, but um, I think he just played through strong teams as well, strong Arsenal teams in the early 2000s, and obviously that Chelsea team as well, parked that defence again, so I feel like his resume speaks for itself, really, and I'm going to understand maybe potentially why you'd move Dennis Irwin to five back, um, if having Ashley Cole there, um, again, like I said about Dennis Irwin, I don't know too much about him, so I guess I that's a, that's a with, with this, I mean, I know I love Everett, as I say, personal bias aside, I love Everett. But um, Ashley Cole was part of the Invincibles defence and then went to the Chelsea team that also had the best defence in the league that year. So he's been part of the two best defences of all time. And, you know, he won his fair share of Premier Leagues, didn't he? So he's he, he was a big part of both of their team's success, definitely. Centre-backs. I think we've got one similar and... Uh, one different if uh, our coalition's been um, d- uh, stuck to. I'm gonna get get this over and done with. It's my it's, this yeah. is this is why most people will listen to this. It's my Liverpool praise. It's gonna hurt me to say this. Right. Uh, it's the only one. The the only one. Um, for me, Virgil Van Dyke. Oh, it's hurting my heart to say this. I think he's the best centre back I've ever seen. I genuinely think he's the best centre-back I've ever seen. He's not won the honours of Sergio Ramos or anyone like that. Maldini, uh, Nesta, if they played at the back there. I know Maldini was left-back, but he obviously came central. Van Dijk has the positioning, the power, the presence, the consistency, the goal scored, and some of the most ridiculous long passes that I've ever seen for a centre-back. You know, I play centre-back myself before I move back to being more of a goalkeeper and I can only dream of playing passes like that on a much such consistent basis and more to the point making it look so easy now I would have lied if I could choose one player for Liverpool for Man United right now it would be Van Dijk and it wouldn't even be close I think he's Liverpool's most important player I think he's Liverpool's best player definitely over Salah you know it showed when he lost him for that season when they finished was it third just, just about third in the top four they were about 25, yeah. 25 points off what they normally have been in the last few years. So if he, if that one player, I know they had other injuries, but it was mainly his his um, absence that I think led to that. He has won a Premier League. He was the biggest reason for Liverpool winning that Premier League. I know he had Salah's goals, Mane's goals, but it all starts at the back. Uh, and that's why, obviously, Klopp got him in. Him and Alisson were massive, massive additions to that team. So for me, it's Van Dijk. And then I'll go on to my centre, second centre-back, so I'll let you explain your pairing. For me, a centre-back always has to be a ball winner and a ball player. So you have to have a passer control of the game, and then someone's going to put their head on the end of it no matter what. So Van Dijk can do both of those things. He would be the ball player in my team because he can do all that passing, but he also gets his head on everything. Next to him, despite my absolute love for Nemanja Vidic, I've gone for John Terry. Longevity's there, consistency's there, 
dies for his badge, that kind of characteristics there. And he was probably the most important defender in Chelsea's history. So I think as as duos go, I'd have Ferdinand and Vidic together because of the chemistry and the success that brought. But I think a defence of Virgil van Dijk and John Terry would be pretty much unstoppable. Especially if you had Ashley Collins and Ezra on either side with Petr Cech behind. So John Terry and Virgil van Dijk are my back partnership. Thoughts? So, yes, obviously Virgil van Dijk's in my team as well. I agree with pretty much everything you just said. Um, I think he's arguably the, yeah, the best player for Liverpool. Best, best defender I've seen for Liverpool. Probably the best player personally I've seen live as well. And when I saw him live at Southampton, I thought he was just unbelievable to well play. He was so calm and he brought, brought the ball down his distribution as well. Um, but I've gone for a slightly different take with my team in terms of, I'm putting him in, yeah, I agree with you in terms of he can be the ball player or he can be the ball winner. Um, so maybe that need for another one. For me, I've gone for, I want another ball player. I want this to be a modern team, attacking full-backs, both centre-backs now on the team have to be able to play with the ball, play out from the, keep, uh, from the keeper. Um so I've gone for I've gone for Ferdinand instead. I think if you've got Van Dijk, like said, you've got that ball winner. I'd have Ferdinand next to him for his ability. To, I think he, Ferdinand can win the ball as well. Don't get me wrong, mm. uh, but also for his ability to play out from the back. Um, and again, his consistency with the United team who is so important for them. Uh, um, he's such a big character as well. I think he, he brings a lot to a squad. Um, so I, I've gone for Ferdinand over over John Terry and Vidic. I've gone for that different style of centre half. Um, that I was going to have in my team. Obviously, Vidic and Terry as well, both brilliant players. It, it's hard to pick between the three, really, because they're all so good. But I think Van Dijk, really, he is the, he's the kind of nailed-on player. Um, I think even people who aren't Liverpool fans, who may give me stick for um, Trent, I think they would probably admit that Van Dijk gets in the team. And it's just that other spot. Being a champion, yeah, so I've gone third for that. Absolutely. I think... Honourable mentions, you know, you got Tony Adams and Sol Campbell, who are so important for Arsenal during a period where they were absolutely brilliant. Uh, players like Vincent Company, you know, he isn't far off John Terry, really. You know, he took, he was probably the most, it's hard to say, I think David Silva was the most important signing in Man City's history, but Company's up there. Company had that defence down to a T, and it was his leadership that took them to the titles, arguably. Um, I just think Terry had it for a bit longer. He had it over a long period of time with different teams. You know, Man United won leagues between his title successes, so he had to come back and do it in slightly different eras, you could even argue. But yeah, some good, some honourable mentions there, um, certainly. What about your midfield? So you've got three players in the midfield. Who's your most holding one? Who are you going to put as the slight holding midfielder? Uh, so obviously originally we've got the 4-3-3 formation I kind of originally had 4-4-2 so I had two midfielders so I've I've got an extra one now so if I'm going for my most holding midfielder now um, I'm going to put in I'm going to put in Roy Keane okay Um, I'm putting in Keane because I think as a good as as a leader for United he was so invaluable to that team um, I know people like to talk about Skulls, and I don't know Skulls is a great player, but I feel like the real driving force of that midfield when he when Keane was there, you know, it was himself, and I think he was so good on the ball, off the ball. Uh, he was attacking, he was aggressive, he was strong, he was physical, and I think he was 
it was a real old school centre mid. Uh, whereas I think Scholes has definitely the um, ability on the ball, his passing range. I feel like Roy Key maybe off the ball had more skills and could influence the game more than him. He would make um, your team better. He'd make any team better, Roy Key, wouldn't he? Exactly, yeah. And I think there's, again, there's some really, really tough decisions to make in, in that more defensive role because you've got Scholes, um, you've got the likes of Kante, maybe Vieira, who's potentially more box to box. But I just feel like. Uh, I mean, this team is already full of leaders, but I feel like definitely on the pitch, he could bring United through the bad times. And I think at the moment, I mean, United could use someone like him at the moment, definitely. Um, but I know you haven't gone for Keane and you've gone for Skulls. I mean, yes. as your take from United fan, what, what, what are the differences you see between the two? Um, obviously, you, you probably agree that Skulls are a better pass. Would you see maybe Keane off the ball abilities? Um, in regards to that, Keane was a very important player for Man United. He, um, you know, through his and, and not in Forest actually, but mainly for Manchester United, where he had his major success. Uh, the reason for me going for Skulls is not for the leadership qualities that Keane had. I mean, Keane would make any team he played in better. The same with Vieira, really, and I haven't gone for either of them simply because I haven't got the space for it. Uh, I've gone for Paul Skulls. In the middle of the park, because simply put, I think he's the best midfielder the Premier League's ever seen. I'm normally quite good when it comes to bias. I don't like to tint my own visor. But for me, he controlled a team. He was the most important part in regards to tempo for a team that won 13 Premier Leagues in the 20 years or 18 years he played in the division. He won the league most times. You, you wouldn't see that, potentially. You know, Man City on a bit of a run at the minute, but we never never saw that before. Um, even, I mean, Liverpool did win stuff in the, the 80s and stuff. I, I, I know that. But Skulls, the tempo of the whole game ran through poor Skulls. I know he couldn't tackle especially brilliantly, but that's, for me, the only weakness. He could pass better than anyone else I've ever seen, in my opinion. He could score screamers on a frightening basis. But what he did was run the game. He literally ran the game. And all this argument about him not being in teams of the season, it's because he went unnoticed. He did the things that necessarily show. You know, his goals and assists are down on the likes of Jared and Lampard. But in regards to controlling a team, everything... With the you know in, in Manchester United's teams through the early 2000s, late 90s, and even to like 2010, 2011, ran through him. Whether he was next to Carrick, whether he was next to Roy Keane, whether he was next to Eric Jemba Jemba, everything went through Paul Scholes. And there's no one else you'd rather have for consistency. He very rarely got injured. His weakness was the tackling aspect, of course it was, but I think he he can get round that. And it's just, it shows even in a more stark comparison now when you look at Fred and McTominay playing in that same position for the same team. And that's the biggest difference between Man United at the minute. So I would have poor Skulls arguably as the most important player in this entire team. Not necessarily the first name on the team sheet, but the most important player for me. Now next to him, ahead of him, I've gone for two more players. Uh, I've gone for Frank Lampard of Chelsea. And I've gone for Kevin De Bruyne. So Frank Lampard for me gets in over Gerrard. So it was for me between those two 
you had Patrick Vieira, you have Roy Keane, as you said. Um, they're the standout choices, really. David Silva is definitely an outside bet, and he would be deserved of a place in this team. And Angolo Kante as well. Definitely does under the radar more than he should. For me, Frank Lampard got more goals than Gerrard, got more assists than Gerrard, and crucially, 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 I couldn't put Gerrard in this team because we're looking at the best ever Premier League team and he never got his team to winning a Premier League. You know, the argument can be said that you know Harry Kane has nearly 200 goals in the Premier League. He might even be over that now, 200 goals in the Premier League. But he's not even in the conversation because he hasn't done enough to get his team to a Premier League title, despite having played brilliantly in the competition. Frank Lampard did do that. He carried that midfield, again, in different eras with Terry, to a Premier League title, another Premier League title, bit of a break, then another Premier League title. And again, success in Europe like Gerard did as well. So it's not just the Europe that Gerard has. So Lampard, more goals, more assists... And frankly, ridiculous. Frankly, pardon the pun. Ridiculous numbers for a centre midfielder. You know, if you want the goals and assists, you do choose Lampard over Skulls. But I just chose Skulls to go behind because of the tempo. And next to him, Kevin De Bruyne. Now, the argument you had with Trent earlier, the argument I said about him not having done it for long enough yet, maybe Trent's won one Premier League and he's got a long way to go. Kevin De Bruyne had a bit of a slower start to his Premier League career. And he took him to go away and then come back again to find himself. But he's been the best player in the league for five years, I would say. I think he's been the, the, the fundamental reason why Man City have won four out of the last five, four leagues in the last five years. And he's been the most important player. He's been there next to David Silva. He's been there behind Aguero. He's been there ahead of the likes of Company and Diaz. So for me, four Premier Leagues in five years... It's enough to warrant a place in my team next to Frank Lampard and slightly ahead of Paul Scholes. Okay, well, I, I'll firstly touch on De Bruyne. Um, I've, I've, I've also got De Bruyne in my team. He's playing in the most attacking midfield role uh, in my eleven. Um, I agree with you. I think he's been absolutely fantastic the last five years. Him and Van Dijk probably, you'd say, are going to be the two who are tussle for the best uh, Premier League player of the last half century. Um, he's definitely been the most influential in terms of leading City to what three, four titles over that time. Um, and I think, yeah, I think he's a brilliant player. I think some of the stuff he can do with the ball, um, some of his assists, and he can just he can just control games. Um, and in terms of the City's dominance as well, I think you can see those kind of players have come and go, like maybe Aguero's and David Silva's been brilliant come and go but over the last like I said, over the last five years really he has been their mainstay and their most important player and again they really miss him when he's not there and he's not influencing the game um, so I've got the Bruyne in as well and I think that he's definitely someone who's nowadays over the last couple maybe a couple of years been accepted that people might say well he's actually probably one of the best of all time in the Prem and I think definitely when his career ends it will be one people look back on and be like yeah he's, he's got to be in there because he was, was just that good Um on a side note, De Bruyne, maybe the biggest thing that he could maybe now achieve is maybe where he's lacked is kind of his international achievements, but that or um, European achievements that comes away from the Premier League debate. That's all we're focusing on uh, in this podcast. On the other debate, you've got Frank Lampard and Gerard. I've, as you'd expect, got for Gerard and the Lampard. I think they're both fantastic players. 
I can see what you mean about goals and assists, but obviously, as you said, with goals, it's not all about that. It's about it's more than just goals and assists. I think it's not like Jarrod gets scored loads of goals, but he can get loads of assists. Grant Lampard obviously just played maybe slightly higher up the pitch as well. He's played more in a maybe centre forward role for Chelsea for many years, whereas Jarrod's more kind of a number eight box to box, which he is in my team. Um, and yeah, again, Jarrod didn't win a Premier League title, and I can quite understand people saying. Hammering in Premier League title, but when we pick them for Premier League 11, we don't pick the 11 players with the most Premier League titles because that's not what it's based on. Um, in terms of his influence on that Liverpool team over those Premier League years, he still arguably had and as big an influence. He, imagine how Liverpool would have done over those over those years without him. I arguably would have finished nowhere near they did. I feel like again with Lampard, he was a very good player in that Chelsea team, but maybe him with Drogba and Terry, but Gerrard just carried Liverpool for years. And they, they managed to get top four and challenged in some years. And without him, they would be nowhere near that. I think the fact that he even made them challenge in some years was remarkable when you look at some of the squads Liverpool had. I think in terms of an all-round player, he is so much better than Lampard was as defensively going forward. Uh, just strong, quick, could win you a game. Um, dominant on the ball, off the ball. I just think he was a great leader. Just, I thought he was an unbelievable player. Obviously, and Liverpool got a slight emotional attachment to, to him as well, but I feel like people generally regard him as one of the greatest midfielders they've seen. Um, even former players speak about him in such high regard. And, and his Premier League debate, obviously, is like Chelsea wanted to sign him. They wanted to sign him when he was at peak in 2005, and they had Lampard. And whether they would have played together, how they would have done together, he had that opportunity to get that Premier League title, but he still stayed loyal to Liverpool. I mean, that's his decision. He didn't get that Premier League title because of it, but I still think his quality should be shown. I, I, I have included him in my eleven, uh, as, uh, as you won't be surprised. Well, for you, who's a more important player in Liverpool's history? Is it Gerrard or is it Jordan Henderson? It might sound on the face of it a ridiculous question, but Henderson... Obviously, the next heir to Gerrard. I always think he's a bit overrated, but all I hear from Liverpool fans is how important he is. That's all I hear about Gerrard as well. He comes in, you're in three Champions League finals in about five years, and you win a Premier League. So, he's had more success in that role. He's had more success, but I don't then think you may say he's been... He's definitely been more successful in terms of what he's won, because that's a fact he has. Was he a better captain? I don't think so. But he's captained his team to more success. He's captained his team to. He's captained his team well, and he obviously is a great leader on the pitch. But I feel like you've got to remember who he's been working with compared to who Gerard was playing with at the time. Which we had okay squads with Gerard, but a lot of time we had some real lack of quality. And I think with Gerard as well, you could say that without him being there for that kind of spell between what was it, two thousands. To 2015, those 15 years, maybe a bit earlier. Would the Liverpool today that we know would they be there? Gerard hadn't been there. How influential was he over that 15 years? How how bad could it have got over those 15 years if we didn't have someone like Gerard there? Although Liverpool have been better since he retired. Since he retired, because obviously we, we've had, we've also been pretty poor as well. I mean, we had poor seasons since he kind of as he was leaving. Um, but obviously when Jurgen Klopp came and we had uh, in some investments and getting some more transfers, but would we still be the club we were if Gerard hadn't played for us for those 15 years and kind of carried us? We may not have won titles, but we kind of stayed in top form, won Champions Leagues and won a few FA Cups and League Cups. I don't think we would have won any of that without Gerard. 
And if we didn't have any of that, would we have still been the club that we were? Would we have attracted Jurgen Klopp and attracted these players? I think there's a I think it's the case to say that may have not happened. Do you Maybe think more, do you think Gerrard's do you think Steven Gerrard's a more important player in Liverpool's history than uh, Virgil van Dijk? Mm. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's extremely hard. I think I your heart your heart probably tell right. your heart's probably telling you yes, your head's probably telling you no. Yeah, I mean I still think there's definitely a case in terms of we may not be the club we have about Gerrard. And I think uh, I stand by that. But I guess in terms of the direct impact that Van Dijk had, maybe slightly different to Henderson's. Um, in terms of we struggled so much for defence, and he, he he kind of lost it. You know, he obviously didn't single single handedly because there's some obviously brilliant players, Mane and Salah. But yeah, that transfer really alone was the one that pin, the pinnacle of really us challenging for the league and winning Champions Leagues, isn't it? And I think in terms of the Premier League, especially that end of thirty years was so important. I still feel like Jared has something to do with that in terms of he lays the foundations, but I think maybe with Van Dijk that's a slightly different argument. But either, either way, Gerard is in my midfield, uh, in my Premier uh, League or some 11, regardless. <laughs> so Gerard, Kevin De Bruyne and Roy Keane uh, versus yeah. Frank Lampard, Paul Scholes and Kevin De Bruyne. Okay, pretty yeah. interesting so far. Uh, we now head up to attack with our three... We've both gone for us the same central striker, I believe. Yeah, um, and Shearer. Yeah. You go first. So, originally, as I, like I said before, I had 4-4-2 and I had Rooney and Shearer. Um, and obviously, we then moved to the 4-3-3, so I had to take one out. And I think, in the end, it was a very hard decision to make because I like both pairs. I like Shearer, I like Rooney, I can see the quality in both of them. Um I feel like Shearer, just in terms of, it is hard to say a team that doesn't have a striker that scored the most goal, goals in Premier League history. Again, I don't want to go completely back to numbers and stats, but I think Shearer's impact on the Blackburn teams he played with Newcastle and kind of his longevity, his career in the Premier League was just unmatched, really, how many he scored that many goals. And even someone's great as Ruin, he's not really even close to it there's still so many goals between them I think Rooney was brilliant maybe he didn't end his career as well as he had hoped Rooney I think that's possibly a reason why I'm not remembering him as a player he was because he kind of came back and went to the United's bad spell he started playing CVM um, I think it's I think it's the flip between the two I'm more interested to see why you didn't go for Rooney as a United fan yourself and why you also went for Shearer well the main reason for that was number of goals. So, for me, you cannot have a team of the best Premier League eleven without their top goal scorer. Now, Kane may very well catch that. Potentially, he has the ability to. But the fact you've got strikers like Torres, like Suarez, that haven't got a hand near Shearer's record, I know they're in the Premier League for less time, but... Such good strikers, Drogba, Van Persie, miles off Shearer's number of goals. Now, they were some of them were penalties, yes, of course they were. But you only get the goals what you what's in front of you. He was instrumental in that Blackburn Premier League winning team. He he's not carrying teams, he carried Newcastle to a half decent success. And again, could do everything in regards to putting the ball in the back of the net. With his hair, with his right foot, with his left foot, with free kicks, penalties. 
you can't really ask much more of that and you have the consistency I know I've known a lot of those players Torres for example have uh, runs of dry spells where you haven't got the goals coming in Shearer seemed to be guaranteed that those goals every year until he retired so for me the top the, comp- the competition's top goal scorer has to be in there it's who's either side of him that's the tricky bit yeah I think we, from what I remember, I think we've agreed on that as well. Cristiano Ronaldo on the right-hand side. So my reason yeah. for this is I think he is the best player uh, in regards to career-wise the Premier League's ever seen. I will stick to the fact that I think Skull is a better player in the Premier League. But in regards to his extra career, obviously Cristiano Ronaldo has all those Ballon d'Ors, has all those extra, uh, extra achievements, has those goals, has that carrying Portugal aspect. He's in my opinion, the second best player ever lived. I do put him behind Messi, even as a United fan, but he's the second best player who's ever lived, so he has to be in this team. He was best as a right winger, albeit when he was younger, of course, uh, but again, his goal record speaks for itself, even just in the Premier League. I know the argument of he won his Ballon d'Ors at Real Madrid, but he did win one Ballon d'Or for United. He won a Champions League with them. He won you know, a handful of Premier Leagues with us too. Uh, and he was the best player in the world for us at one point. Uh, he's then come back and then done it again at 37 years old, being our best player. You know, United have some good names on paper last year, and he was the best player for us by a country mile in a really poor team getting those goals. A lot of them weren't just happens. He had to make them himself at that age in the Premier League, which is the toughest, the toughest division in the world. So, Ronaldo has to be in that team. I'll put him on the right wing, but he could very easily be in the middle as well, really. So, for me, Cristiano Ronaldo is one of those few names in here that was a dead cert, and I didn't even have to think about it. I made room for Ronaldo, and then I had to think, right, where else am I going to go? Your thoughts? Mm. Um, so, for me, Ronaldo's, yeah, Ronaldo's also in my team, also on the right wing. Um, he's not as nailed on as I actually initially thought. Because I kind of stopped to think about it, Ronaldo, yeah, in the team, and then I kind of thought, well, as you said, most of his uh, pinnacle of his career was at Real Madrid, um, pinnacle winning Champions League, Ballon d'Ors. But then I guess you, I did have to remember, well, towards the end of his United career, Ballon d'Or, best player in the world, um, just some unplayable moments in those in those seasons. There were a few players, maybe I thought came into mind that could also play on that right hand side. Uh, a certain Egyptian player that I won't mention because of the backlash. Um, but I feel like in the end, kind of Ronaldo's peak towards the end of his United career and being like winning the Ballon d'Or, being the best player in the world, he he, uh, he does get in my team. He doesn't maybe have the longevity in terms of he was at United for less amount of time. I don't think maybe his current spell is counting towards this team as much as maybe you do. Um, I feel like well, last year he was he got he got twenty I think it's twenty four goals, eighteen in the Premier League, and United's second highest goal scorer had less than five, I, be, uh, I believe yeah. Premier League goals that is. Certainly, no other yeah. Man United team, no, no no other Man United player got in double figures. So no. I think that is yeah, unquestionable without those goals. You know. Yeah, I, I, I agree. He still got the goals. Expect that, and he's, he's obviously coming towards. Well, he may not have an end of career, but you maybe think he's coming towards the end of his career, getting still the ages. Um, I feel like in terms of like the player he is now is certainly not a reflection of how good he was 
I mean, his off-the-ball ability is running and he doesn't really dribble much anymore. He just is a finisher, and that's fair enough. He's kind of an older attacking player. Um, but I think based off his first by United and how good he was at that peak when he signed for Real Madrid, I guess, I think he does go in. But I think someone, yeah, I think someone like Salah should get a mention. Um, maybe Salah, you'd say, is something in a few years' time, but if he stays at Liverpool for um, an extra few years, obviously signing a new contract and how well he does. But his, his consistency since he's come in and what finished top goal scorer in a, was it, I think, two out of four seasons. I think he's finished on 20 plus goals every year. He's, he's played Liverpool, well, no, three, sorry, three out of four seasons, I think it is. Um, he's been top goal scorer. Well, I'm going to say, I'm going to challenge you on this because you said to me about um, Ronaldo, we're not considering his extra achievements for Real Madrid, his Portugal stuff, his Juventus stuff, even. We're just looking at the Premier League era. You also told me the other day that Salah has more goals and assists in less games than Ronaldo did in that first spell. Now, if you're putting him on the right wing and you don't think he had that great a year last year, why are you putting Ronaldo over Salah? If that's truly what you think, as a right winger, more goals, more assists, he got a Premier League win, Salah's more consistent, you'd say. Why Ronaldo still? Why Ronaldo over Salah? Over Salah? Because I think when at Ronaldo's first spell at United, the peak that he was in that spell was better than Salah. Salah's peak that he's had for Liverpool. Salah, I mean, Salah was arguably when he was on form at Liverpool, he was up there in contention for being one of the best players in the world. But I feel like Ronaldo, when he left United at that moment, first couple of seasons before, he was like undoubtedly the best player in the world. Um, and I, I do feel like you, he kind of like romanticising of him being probably the. Uh, one of the best players of all time maybe Salah I don't think Salah would go down as one of the best players of all time maybe in Premier League history I think Uh, but I think the kind of peaks of Ronaldo how good he was physically uh, he's strong he's quick he can score goals he was skillful I feel like maybe Salah I love Salah as a player I love him and he's worked great he's brilliant he's physical but maybe he doesn't have that maybe natural on the ball ability it's kind of questionable that's a controversial thing to say but sometimes he's a bit more of an output man a bit like Ronaldo is now but I think Ronaldo in his first spell his ability on the ball was just was unbelievable he was so skillful he was so iconic at that time people started taking free kicks like him and kind of he was a new David Beckham wasn't he in that era I think Salah for me deserves a mention but I, I do I would go with Ronaldo we mentioned him there I think Beckham is worth a mention too I mean there's so many good wingers in the Premier League history um, that you could choose from forward players. Um, yeah, Beckham does spring to mind. Mark, uh, over, over Mars, maybe. Um, what about the other side? Who have you gone for alongside the two of them? So the other side, I've gone for Thierry Henry. Um, maybe a slight movement out of his position. I guess he kind of floated between left wing, striker. Uh, but I think, again, a bit like Ronaldo, for his spell when he was at Arsenal, he was just so good. He was untouchable. So influential in that Arsenal team that won um, their Premier League titles. Um, he was probably, yeah, one of the greatest attackers the Premier League's ever seen. His numbers speak for themselves. Again, maybe his numbers were cut down short from him moving on to Barcelona. Um, but I think in terms of playing off that left-hand side, Thierry Henry really is the only option to have, even though maybe you could say he was more of a striker. Okay, yeah. Um, he. This is probably the hardest decision for me, because the front line... We're doing three, Shearer straight in, Ronaldo straight in. So I've got one of the place left, and for me it's between three different players. Now Hazard obviously is a good shout, I'm not, he's not one of the three, 
but he, I think he deserves a mention. Again, David Silva could put up on the left-hand side. Raheem Sterling goes very, very much under the radar. He's been successful in Liverpool yeah. and Man City. Depends on what he does for Chelsea. That's certainly worth a look. Um, Dennis Bergkamp, again, doesn't really get a mention. Uh, in regards to the striker role, Suarez, you know, Salah, Mane. Mane is definitely worth at least a shout. Yeah. But due to the quality, uh, there's only three names I could genuinely look at. And it's between... Ryan Giggs, Thierry Henry, on the left hand side. Well, he was left. He was, he was a left midfielder. Yeah, yeah, Ryan yeah, Giggs. Yeah. Okay. Or you do what you did and put a centre forward slightly on the left to cut in between Rooney and Henri. Uh, in regards to Ryan Giggs, I know you, you're not a massive fan personally. I don't think many women are at the moment either. But Ryan Giggs is the most consistent player in Premier League history. He may not have the numbers. Yeah. But don't forget, that's at a time where... See, I think Mane and Salah now play as strikers. They're often more forward for Liverpool last year than maybe Firmino or Jota is. And it's, it's not a three. They're the two ahead of the number nine. So that's a massive factor. When Giggs was a left midfielder, not left winger, left midfielder of a 4-4-2, he was crossing in. He was perhaps more defensive-minded than certainly Mane, uh, Mane Salah, Hazard, things like that. His numbers, though, probably aren't enough to get in this team. I mean, his career numbers are in regards to his 13 Premier League titles and scoring in every year he played in the Premier League. But it's between Rooney and Henri. I have my biases. And it's it's a very, very tough call. I think in at their peaks, they're very, very similar levels. I think probably Henri was slightly better, in fact, as a striker, but I am going to choose Waza Wayne Rooney for a couple of reasons. I'm putting it's not really wing in position because it's going to be more fluid. I'm adopting the Urban Klopp philosophy. The reason I'm choosing Rooney is he's more versatile, so I think in a real life situation, I'd have him there anyway over Henri, who was a proper centre forward. I think the debate really should be between Henri and Shearer as an out and out striker. But Rooney did it for a longer period of time in the Premier League. Uh, he won more Premier Leagues. He enjoyed, he enjoyed more success in Europe. Not considering that, obviously. But he did for his club. He was more versatile in the sense that he could play Cam. I know you alluded to it. He played centre defensive midfielder in his older years. That's only because of a lack of pace. He wasn't slow, though. He wasn't slow. He did have his, you know, his quick days. And he burst onto the scene in 2003 and just lit it up he really did he scored he's made out his record goal scorer to the most successful team in the Premier League he's their most successful he's their most successful goal scorer he could do it on the left do it on the right he scored screamers tappings headers volleys so many iconic moments he could pass a ball he could tackle and he would die for the cause I'm not saying Henri wouldn't Henri had more of a flair about him Rooney had more that proper English, never say die attitude that, you know, that, I don't know how to word it, but it's more that, yeah, that grit, not beautiful football, more tough, nor just give everything, give 100%. You know, he had his off days with Man United as well. Of course he did. I just think the, the fact he was an important player for the late 2000s, early 2010s, and even after Fergie to an extent, and then he still did it at Everton 
you know, as a centre midfielder. Um, I, I think I kept that, you know, I, again, we're not looking at this, but when he was at DC, albeit a much more poor quality league, he was chasing down things at the age of 30, 35, 36, and just dying for his team that was scoring a goal in the MLS. So it, I think that just sums him up. For me, probably my childhood hero growing up, really. You know, the English relate, you know, relationship there. He has to be in this team for me. I, I, I can see your argument for Rooney. Like I said earlier, it kind of pained me not to have him in because I think he's a brilliant player. Um, I went in the end, I went for Shearer over him in that central role. I don't think if you're going to put him in, it's at left wing over on really though. I think if you're going to get him in, it's either in that striker role instead of Shearer, instead of Shearer, sorry, or in maybe more of an attacking midfield role ahead of the likes of maybe Lampard. Or maybe well, he could very easily go ahead of the three midfield and behind Shearer and Ronaldo. That wouldn't be a problem. It, 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 I think it works. I mean, you'd have Shearer in the middle because Rooney and Ronaldo are more versatile on the side. So is Henri. You'd have Shearer in the middle and you'd either have Ronaldo next to him or Rooney next to him or both of them either side. You know, you know, we're seeing them in the 4-3-3 formation. For the graphic, I'll put it up as a 4-3-3. I'm happy to do that. But in reality, you would probably find Rooney just behind the two strikers. A bit like the number nine for Mino now for Liverpool. Yeah. Okay. The game well, has changed. Is your manager Sir Alex Ferguson? Is that unquestionable? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to joke around saying Jurgen Klopp, but I can't even remember myself to do it. It's got, it's got to be Ferg, isn't it? You, you can't really go with anyone else. I mean, I guess what honourable mentions to more, maybe maybe Klopp, Guardiola, uh, Mourinho, Wenger, but in, in in terms of yeah, in terms of real quality, it's got it's got to be an overall achievement. It's got to be Ferg, isn't it? Is Klopp? Would you have Klopp over Wenger and Mourinho? Well, in terms of if I could change right now. And bring in more for this team who like how far down the list is Klopp in my opinion because I was thinking about this he has to be below them all well I mean you could, it's, it's hard to compare with really because I, I guess Klopp is still not early stages of his career but he's like being at Dortmund and being Liverpool but he's still definitely in his career and in developing a career whereas like Arsenal's talk like what nearly, he's pretty much done this I don't think he's managing now he may come back but be unlikely uh, Mourinho definitely acquired a lot of success in the Premier League only. In the Premier League only, I think Mourinho and Wenger accomplished more currently than Klopp has. Um, Klopp has got the points. He has the points that those teams never achieved. I guess I mean they have in terms of they've won more. They won more titles, more successful in Premier League. They won. I don't know how many Premier Leagues off the top of my head, but and then Mourinho obviously won. A few with Chelsea, Arsenal, the same with Arsenal. I feel like Klopp's job at Liverpool has definitely been a very. I guess in terms of the Klopp of Liverpool, it's in the end where his career it's not maybe going to come down to the numbers and stuff that he did, but more the job he did in terms of bringing back a title to Liverpool. People struggled for thirty years to do that. I guess I can understand with Mourinho as well. We came to that Chelsea team and won them their first Premier League title, so that is obviously. Another impressive story, and Arsene Wenger as well, be it building the invincible teams. But I think maybe Klopp at the end of his career, he can get a few more titles at Liverpool. Maybe you'd say different. Okay, I'll, I'll leave you with one last thought. If Man City, dread to think, I mean, both of us wouldn't like this, they win the next, say, three or four in a row, at what point does Guardiola 
become the greatest manager the Premier League's ever seen? Or can he not do it? Um, can he not? I mean, you can't say he can't do it. There's no way you can say he cannot become that. Um, I guess if he ties with Fergie for titles, that's got to be a case for him. Um, you'd maybe say if he if they kind of continued on his path of being like the best team by far and won as many titles, then you'd arguably say he is because I think even in some seasons, maybe United weren't as strong as still won, where City kind of just seemed to be dominant every single year. And I think the City team arguably better than some of those United teams. Um, but again, with, with Guardiola, you've got to say maybe he has the access to funds that maybe United didn't have. I mean, I'm not saying United are a poor team, but when they were in Ferguson was there. City were kind of the, the kind of first, one of the first teams to get that kind of Arab money and wasn't it, and kind of like to spend as much as they want to. Guardiola has kind of always had that, especially where he's gone to have that. There's a lot of money to spend and use. Um, not, saying, not saying Fergie didn't, but as an example with Ferguson's quality was when they sold Ronaldo and replaced him with Antonio Valencia and they still won the league the next year. And that was unbelievable management. Uh, whereas Guardiola kind of seems to have the funds to bring in as many players as he wants to. Um, and I guess maybe that would separate them still in terms of their management, but it'd be an interesting thought. Yeah, well, I I think Ferguson beat an Arsenal team with Darren Gibson uh, in and Fabio in the centre of midfield. Yes. that's the that's the game that made Pog believe originally. Do you think um, it's pretty much impossible for Pep Guardiola to be to become the greatest manager? You think there's basically no taking Fergie's place? Yes, it's hard to say ever. Yes, I, even if he wins the next ten, because you cannot spend three hundred million pounds in defence alone. And warrant that as an achievement, so to speak. It's like a FIFA career mode. You know, you, you've yeah. you spent a lot of money. I mean, he's made some good signings. I read, you know, I did my research for this team. Cancelo for twenty-seven million and Danilo is a buy and a half. It's a brilliant purchase. Diaz wasn't that expensive. You know, Carl Walker, although he's about fifty million, has been your right back for seven or eight years. Probably a bargain. You get your money back in that time. But they have made questionable, questionable, questionable buys. You know, John Stones, Nathan Ake. I'm not overly keen on them. I don't think the port's been as nailed down as I thought he would be. Uh, and obviously, Mendy's got his own problems. So they have made the mistakes in regards to their purchases, Man City. And if you give Man United 350 million to boost their defence, and they don't waste it on 80 million pound of it on Maguire then you might have a case for United being stronger. Um, you know, Foden is a great talent. He is a great talent. He took me a couple of years to warm to him, but he's probably the most exciting young player in England right now. But apart from that, they've pretty much bought their entire team for a lot of money. Whereas Man United, through Focus and Zero, they did spend, of course they did. Um, and I know money's changed since he retired. It's become... A lot more, uh, a lot more amounts. But Neville, Neville, Butt, uh, Skulls, Gigs, all from the academy, and he combined the skills of though that generation coming through with some marquee names like Cantona, for example, like Hughes, like Robson, to have a perfect dynamic. And I think that takes some doing. And I said this before. I think Ferguson made the second best team ever. 
and he was only beaten in Champions League finals by the best football club has ever been. Depressingly, it's Guardiola's Barcelona team. So, for me, Premier League-wise, he changed the game, Ferguson. He brought... He's made the Premier League what it is today. Say about Gerrard making Liverpool what they are today. I think Ferguson made the Premier League what they are, what it is today. Has he made them what, has he made them what United are today? Absolutely. Absolutely. We got, not as in the, a bad team like you're trying to no, apply. Right I mean, no, I mean the, the um, size of the club, the branding. It's just, it's all down to him, really. Um, in regards to what they are today, that's probably a story for another podcast, but there's so many yeah. issues right there that we didn't see. And Ferguson leaving probably caused that, but you. That's what I mean, yeah. It doesn't mean that it should happen. So. No. But yeah, some interesting teams. The graphics will be up. It's up to you now, who is listening to this, to choose which team you prefer. Polls will be out on our social media, and you'll have to decide which team you think is best. Please do leave your comments with us and let us know what you think. Until next week, where we'll be looking at. Our England squads for the World Cup, choosing 23 players ahead of the 2022 Qatar World Cup. There'll be some decisions in there where we're missing out people. Uh, Jordan Henderson springs immediately to mind, but we'll have to have a look at that and say that for next week. Thanks, Ethan. Good to chat to you. Cheers.